It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Howdy, folks. Happy Tuesday. Uh, it's. It's not happy in Edmonton. Uh, unfortunately for the Oilers, they take an early out. Uh, Cameron Young is in the chat. He uh, did a mea culpa yesterday on Twitter saying, you know, that I was right. Because uh, we have Ryan Garner, who long, longtime Hockey Buzz blogger, covered the San Jose Sharks and the Edmonton Oilers. Um, I basically said at the beginning of the year that the Oilers were going to miss the playoffs. Well, they, they almost did that. They, they made the playoffs and then went out in four straight. So it's sort of – Quasi like that, but we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Russ, start us off with the pre-show. All right, let's talk. Um, we're talk a little Major League Baseball, and since I see Ryan is a baseball fan here, we'll uh, we'll we'll get him to weigh in on this. The I don't mind this era and year of the pitcher. I don't mind it at all. I actually kind of like it because I feel like it's flying flying in the face of what Rob Manford wants. Right. And Rob Manfred, even though this year he did want to cut down on runs a little, he doesn't want pitchers to be dominating the game because he doesn't like that. I kind of like that it's happening. Uh, what's interesting to me, though, is that hitters are just not adjusting. And I don't know if it's hitting coaches that can't figure this out. Um, at least I saw Lindor the other day hit one to the other side of the uh, of the field where nobody was during the shift and got a clean base hit. I would think if you're um, – Cameron Maben and you're like 0 for 10 for the Mets, you might try and lay down a bunt for a hit because clearly you can't hit the ball, but he can run and throw the ball. I just, these are things that I just think are so basic that I don't understand how they've gone out of the game. And now with every, because I mean, I'll go to Ryan first. Every team you go to, there's barely anybody hitting over 270 and a lot of guys are hitting 180. That's right. And it's an interesting era to be in when a guy's hitting 310 and he's standout MVP of his team, right? And he's the clutch hitter, which is just phenomenal. That uh, I think you're right, Russ. You see kind of these waves, right, with the game and trends. And I think it's just a lack of fundamentals, just a lack of playing that small ball style. And remember, teams have been so dependent on the long ball for such a long time that they have a hard time adjusting. And personally, I love I love seeing pitchers dominate. Me too. And it's it's so it's so goddamn boring that these these players do not adjust. I mean, you know, if, like on the Giants, Buster Posey's hitting like three forty, but like Yastrzemski's hitting two ten, and I think Longoria is hitting like two thirty. And on the Yankees, you got four guys hitting under the Mendoza line. It's really, I mean, Russ, I'm remember Yastrzemski's grandfather that I think won the batting title with a 302 average. We're probably going to see no, it. Was, it was 299 in 68. I think it was, I think it was under 300. Was it under? Okay. I, I knew it was close. I think it was under 300, yeah. but no, but the, but the sad thing is like, uh, okay. I was watching white Sox Yankees, uh, on, and, uh, the white Sox have a rookie, Nick Madrigal, who is, he's not a power hitter. He's got one home run. Um, but he, you know, he does the things that players 
in the 70s and 80s did. He hits the opposite way. He's got really good speed. You know, he's got bat control. There was a, there was, the infield was in one of those weird positions. He just put the bat out there and hit it over the first baseman for a base hit. Nobody does. All they're doing is swinging the on the freaking wheels. Yeah, I know. It's just it's crazy how these things have gone the game out of the game because of the chat room. Because Randy brought this up, I will bring this up. Randy, I do know what happened on this day, May 25th, 1989. Star Wars came out, A New Hope. Not A New Hope, whatever they call the original one. Oh, The Phantom Menace? No, the original, original. 89? 89. No. That's what he's saying. I, well, that's what my guess is. What is 79. No, seven, yeah, it would be 79, right? 77, actually. Yeah. I don't yeah, know about 89, but, but I know Star Wars, that's right. came out on this day in 77. I did go to Star Wars. I can't tell you I was there for the first day. I can't tell you. Uh, I did see it in a movie theater. I remember before we got in the movie theater, I was playing the video game that was out. It was basically like an X-Wing video game with black and white screens, and you had the big wheel. I remember doing all that. My my mom must have dropped me off you know, at the mall, and I went and saw it in the, uh, in the movie theater. Oh, in 89, all oh, the Flames winning the cup. Oh, who would remember that? Uh, okay. Well, they did beat the Habs. So. I knew today was a Star Wars day, but, yeah, yeah I was just kidding. That was, that was something to celebrate. Lanny McDonald, yes. Uh, yeah, but, but, but Russ, Joe Mullen, Joe Mullen, Joe yeah. Mullen. Yes. Uh, uh, was Pekka Radicalio on that team? No, just kidding. All right. Um, but by the way, uh, Ryan, anything no, you like, say about Star Wars, Mike, uh, you don't give no, a I, I like Star Trek better. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, let, let Ryan be the, the tiebreaker on that one. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars by a country mile. Come yeah. on, Mike. Shut up. I'm going to delete you off the show. No. <laughs> I'll never be back. I mean, it's so obvious. Like how? I don't even know how you could go that way, Mike. No. Well, because because Star Wars was in part inspired by Star Trek. Oh my God! It was Lucas said it. He said that you know a he little died. part. Yes. Okay. Whatever. Uh, Hello, hockey world. Today is Tuesday, May twenty fifth. 2021. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Michael Agello. And this is this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. And as I said before, we are pleased to be joined by Ryan Garner, Hockey Buzz alumnus. Uh, Flamester says hi, uh, Ryan. So that go, that's a throwback to uh, the, the, the uh, Hockey Buzz chat room back in the day, which seems like, you know, uh, decades ago, which you know, actually was, but <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And I'm also still, even though I haven't been around in a long time, I'm still the resident expert on top heavy playoff disappointments. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll, we'll oh, get we some of those. Eck <laughs> will be joining us in a minute. We'll get into that because I'm sure Eck will be pounding on me that Alex Stalock was the savior that they didn't use. Um, but let's start. Let's I, mean, start. I think COVID probably killed his season, Mike. They, they would have used him, I think, otherwise. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Well, maybe. I mean, I'm not saying that that's not a possibility, but I just didn't think that they pick them picking up Alex Stalock off of waivers. Hey, look, I was reaching. I mean, yeah, no, I, I get it. All I know is that, you know, Miko Koskin could be the worst goaltending contract south of uh, of uh, Sergei Bobrovsky. And we'll talk about that game, too. But let's start with uh, game three of Leafs Habs. Uh, Leafs win two to one. Um, Russ. Jack Campbell has been great for three games. And, you know, I'm not taking anything away from Carey Price. Carey Price made a couple unbelievable saves, the one on Spezza, another one on, on Marner. But the Leafs played a game that normally they can't 
play. They scored two goals in the second period, sat on a 2-1 lead. They were outshot 15-2 against Montreal, and I think they were comfortable doing that because Montreal's offense stinks. Yeah, a couple things. I mean, going back to original Jack Campbell 1.0, he was always a, a very confident guy, and he always had good mechanics. I think he won two gold medals in international play. And you never really saw him panic. I think what happened to Jack Campbell over time was he got inside of his own head. That's the only thing I can think of because when you see him now again, he is still the same goalie. And I really was super high on him going into the draft. And, and I'm happy to see that while this may have taken some time, this is still the same guy doing the same things essentially. And and I have to give credit to like some of the goalie coaches around the league that have really you know worked with him and helped him. I don't get Dominic Ducharme for a minute. I don't understand. You have only Jeff Petrie who could take the puck and get it into the offensive zone as a defenseman and maybe get a shot on net. The rest of them can't. You got a bunch of just guys who are used to being robots and clearing the puck and elbowing somebody in the face. And you've got Romanov sitting on the bench with great wheels, great at zone entries, and you're not – using him they deserve to lose the series just because of that and they also deserve to lose the series for something we talked about offline and that is when coaches want to use a young offensive player and they give them just these micro chances to succeed and never give them the whole game to succeed that is also a big mistake ryan uh they insert Caulfield, Cole Caulfield, after not playing him in the first two games in Toronto. And obviously, based on the usage of him in the first two periods, it was because they were afraid to put him out with uh, against a, like a, a Matthews line or a Tavares line until he got hurt. Um, they wanted to protect him and ha and put him in, in better situations. Now, they were down 2-1 to one in the third period, and then they started using him more. And, gee, what a shock. He had he had the best scoring chances for the Habs in that game, and they refused to use him in the first 40 minutes. I, I, don't, I think it's asinine that Ducharme did that. Absolutely, right? It's, uh, well, like you said, Russ, when you give a kid a chance like that, give him a full chance, right? Run him out there chance. and let him prove it. Don't If you just micro-dose these guys, then uh, – how are they able to gain any momentum? How are they able to get any flow with the rhythm of the game, playoff hockey? It's, you're completely right. And I think the problem that you have with Montreal is they were told going in that they're going to have to win games, grinding them out, low-scoring games. Right. And they've been low-scoring games for the most part these first three games. And they came out with the first one, which is a bit of a shocker. I think Toronto was a little rattled, obviously, to the Tavares injury. Um, kind of took them out of their game and took them out of their out of uh, positive mindset. Right. Um, but Toronto's got their feet under them now, and I, uh, I expect it to be a five-game series. But now, yesterday was anybody's game. I mean, we yes. all could admit that. I mean, it really was. It was there for the taking, and they didn't have the guys to do it. It's, it's almost like malpractice, the way Ducharme is sort of running this, playing it safe, going with the old script, going with the veterans. We're going to slug it out. And you're going to lose every game that's remaining if you keep doing that. That's the crazy part. You actually have a chance to be in this series, but you need some offense, and you can't expect Nick Suzuki to be all of your offense. You can't, as good as he is. Well, because when you have such limited options, we, we've seen this time and time again. It's easy to take one line out. It's easy to yeah. clamp down on. If you only have to focus on two players uh, who are generating 60% of your offense – 
that's easy enough to do for a defenseman in, in today's NHL, right? right? You have to yeah. have more balance, more depth throughout your lineup, and someone who will put a little fear in you when they're coming across the blue line. And so far, I haven't seen any of that from Montreal yet. Yeah, I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you a baseball throwback for this one because he's wearing the Giants hat. At least if Jack Clark came to the plate, I was worried. I was worried he could win the game. There's nobody right now on the Montreal Canadiens that you worry about winning the game if you're playing against them. Nobody. You were especially worried if you were if you were Tom Needenfuhrer and you were pitching against <laughs> Jack Clark. Uh, that's that's an old Cardinals reference in 1985. Um, but now the only thing, and okay, this could be all smoke and mirrors, and I I think it is. But the talk after the game, before the game, and will be at five o'clock when Sheldon Keefe meets the media is will Jack Campbell start in back-to-back games because Campbell has been nursing a, a, a leg injury. They've been giving him days off, you know, back-to-back, especially back-to-back in a playoff scenario where, you know, the games are more, you know, th- there's a lot of hustle. Higher pace, higher danger. Right, yeah. right, exactly. Um, that to play him two games in a row, if he, you know, it, it Keith said yesterday, Ryan, that it depends on Campbell, how Campbell feels. I can't imagine that Campbell, even if he feels a little sore, is going to yield the net to Freddie Anderson at the risk of Freddie Anderson taking over or them letting Montreal back in the series. That's right, because we've seen what happens when a guy comes out, a guy takes him, no, no goaltender who's who respects himself is ever going to admit to any type of weakness or injury or fatigue or anything this time of year. You've conditioned yourself for the playoffs specifically, especially a contender like the Leafs, who it's no surprise they made the playoffs. No surprise they're going to make some noise and uh, hopefully go on a deep run. But, but Ryan, here's something you don't know. So Mike is a Freddie Anderson apologist. <laughs> and going into this season, he still was all about Freddie. This was going to be Freddie's year. And obviously – Somebody took the job from Freddie. I kind of wonder, Mike, now I have to turn the tables on you. If you knew that you had a choice between these two goalies and Campbell was a little hurt, so you you got Jack Campbell with a little bit of a leg injury or Freddie Anderson completely rested, who are you going to go with this game? Well, the question is, is Freddie Anderson completely healthy? Well, I'm going to say he's completely healthy for this argument only. I mean, right now, honestly, he's played great in three games. I'm sticking with the hot goaltender. Mm. I'm sticking with Campbell. But, you know, Russ. Welcome to the other side of Freddie again, Anderson. Again, he finally made it. How many times do I have to freaking tell you when Freddie Anderson is playing in front of a porous defense for four years? I don't think the Leafs defense is that much better. That's the funny thing. I think it's I think it's, significant. it's a little better. I don't think it's that much better. I just think the Habs offense is pathetic. I think I think he no, I mean the Hab that's true, but I think their defense throughout the year has been significantly better than that tire fire with Jake Gardner and Martin Marinson and those But Anderson was behind that defense and still had problems. Will you forget that? Yeah. And here's a chicken and the egg argument as well. Does Campbell look good because Campbell's playing well or does he look good because he's playing Montreal? I think he looks good because he's playing well, only because I've seen him enough times in his career where I just feel like the confidence is there no matter who he's been playing. I don't think it hurts that he's playing Montreal. I'll I'll give you that. Okay, let's move on to one of the other games. We're still waiting for Eck here. I want to save the Euler talk for for Eck. Um, The the pivotal game five between the New York Islanders and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh had a 2-1 lead late in the third period. Eberle ties it up. I saw uh, most of the first overtime. Um, 
I think there was a either uh, I think it was intermission for the for the Leaf game, and I was watching that. And Pittsburgh dominated the first overtime, and then Tristan Jari decided Christmas came in late May because early in double overtime, I'm not sure what the hell he's doing, wandering out of his net and trying to pass it up the middle, but he put it right on the tape of Josh Bailey. The only problem is Josh Bailey plays for the Islanders. He scrambles back, scores the goal in double overtime. Now the Islanders lead three games to two. Russ, I mean, they have no option other than Jari. But again, I said it yesterday. When Jari plays well, they win. When Jari plays like an idiot, like he did yesterday, they lose. Well, all right. So first thing, I've got to correct Cam. When I picked the Canadians to win the Stanley Cup, that was preseason during the summer. I've had a chance to see how pathetic their offense had been this year. And so that's why I picked the Colorado Avalanche to win the Stanley Cup during this season because I had the benefit of hindsight on that. So that's the reason on that. Uh, as far as Jerry goes, look, I don't think this was a matter of Jerry being a bad goalie. I think this is a matter of fatigue, and he's still a young goalie. And I think a lot of times when you get in these kinds of games, there is a chance to get vapor lock, and there is a chance to just not see what the obvious is. To all of us at home, it's very obvious, right? Uh -huh. like, Why are you passing up the middle, whatever, whatever. But if any of us have ever played sports, and we all have, yeah. I, mean, I still play softball, right? There are times I'll make a play, and then I'll still question why I did what I did when I got the ball or I, when I went and swung the bat. Like, why did I do that? You know that's what he's doing. He's basically saying, why did I do that? But he did it. So he did give one away. Look, Marc-Andre Fleury gave one away, too, in his career in the World Juniors. Like, it happens. Yeah, I, I, I always get fatigued in my third game of bowling. Um, but uh, yeah, there's no fatigue in bowl. <laughs> it's from lifting the beer. That's what it is. Yeah, sure. um, so Ryan really Gardner, great. Ryan Gardner, as I live and breathe. Hey, Ryan, how are you? Hello, my friend. How are you doing? Great I'm, to see you. It's great to see you, man. I'm doing fantastic. I'm uh, I'm happy the sun rose in Edmonton this morning. <laughs> 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 I, I told Mike uh, offline. I'm not wearing these sunglasses to be pretentious. This is a tribute to Bob McCown, who uh, Mike, you know very well, and yep. also because I spent most of the night crying. So I'm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm not let's let's oh, we'll, we'll talk about pit, more about Pittsburgh and the Islanders after. I wanted to wait till Act got here to talk about yes the, the Edmonton Oilers <laughs> because why would that be, Mike? Because I've been, I've been I've been pumping Edmonton all year, saying how good I think Edmonton is, right, and right. and and and, and Act and yeah, I mean I mean this with all. You know, due respect and kindness and love in my heart. You were delusional back then, and you're delusional <laughs> now because the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, I, I said to Russ off air. I said the next thing quote them missing the playoffs was them making the playoffs and getting swept four straight, and that's what happened. And I want to I want to go through this with Ryan because Ryan follows the Oilers intently. Um, yep, I have a lot of. Sorrow in my heart, and I'm, I really, really mean this. I, I, no, no, I, I, I'm not being. Don't I'm not, buy it, Ryan. No, it feels no, no, legit. No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm being truthful here. I have a lot of sorrow in my heart for Connor McDavid oh, and for, yeah. for Leon, Leon Dreisaitl. Not for all those fans, I guess. Yeah, no, no, screw the fans. Um, <laughs> but, but, but these are two preeminent players in this league, two heart trophy winners, two of the, I'd say the five best forwards in the league. And they have been, you know, Dreisaitl was drafted in 2014. Uh, McDavid was drafted in 2015. They've been in the league now, what, six, seven years. 
they have not had a supporting cast to to back them one friggin' time. And it's, I mean, I know McDavid's probably not going to say, get me out of here like Eichel in Buffalo, but it's getting to the point where in another year or so, if it keeps going like this, I'm not going to blame him if he says, get me the hell out of Dodge. Well, we're going to see, Mike. This is going to be a very interesting offseason yeah. for the Oilers because for as many people as you had, say, uh, patting Connor McDavid on the back for reaching 100 points, you had just as many people saying, win something, right? And it yeah. almost instantly followed it up. And so you can feel for those players that they have to play in this barren, remote outpost here in Northern Alberta. <laughs> Everybody loves to hate the Oilers. Eck, I know you've hated the Oilers for decades. <laughs> I have been I have been the Oilers' biggest champion for the last several years. Yeah, uh, I no, I seriously have. I have been, to tell I us have, the James Neal signing was good. I, I mean, I, I did gone. have I had my issues with the Oilers, but I, I'm telling you, I absolutely I'm wearing the shirt today to E Crow for Mike. I wore this shirt, but I was like because I did definitely say that um you know that I felt like this Oilers team. I first of all I picked him, I picked him to finish second. In the division, which which they did, right? Um, I picked them. I I did, and I I did pick them to go. I did pick them to win the series. Which you know, after seeing the last, after watching the season series versus Winnipeg, you definitely had a sense that they would. I mean, there was no reason to think that they wouldn't win this series. But but here's the thing, and you know, and and you know, we can we can get past the fact that okay, three of these games went to overtime, so it's a much much more gruesome sounding sweep than it really is. It wasn't a totally dominant sweep. No. Right. It's not a sweep. I mean, three games go to overtime. That's, but you know, that it, and that, and what, but, but what that does honestly is I think more than ever focus the focus, the mic focus exactly what's going on because the issue is here. You didn't get the big save or the big goal at the right times. Right. And those are the things Mike Smith galleon. I mean, honestly, like th this guy for, for what he's doing back there, He's, I, I wrote, I tweeted last night. Seventy percent of the time he's playing goal, twenty percent of the time he's playing defense, and 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 ten percent of the time he's doing both. You know, like it's like, it's like he what he's doing back there. I mean, he is not the greatest goalie ever. No, but but he's but at the same time he is trying as hard as any goalie could possibly try to make this work, but, and he's making big saves even at big times. Like and but at the end of the day. Listen, I, I mean, the couple things that really struck me, and, and then then we can, Mike, you can tell me why I'm wrong, but a couple things that really struck me about this Oilers team more than more than ever. Like, I've been a Dave Tippett supporter all the, all along. I said, you know, he's been doing a good job. Uh, watching the last three games of this series, and even the first game of the series, I'm not so sure about that because the, the honestly, honestly here thing is that, yes, the, you can point to two things really easily, right? They, they need they need a better goalie. When they went and got Stalak, Russ Narbo saying, Good move. I mean, Stalock is actually a goalie who could do something. Didn't see the ice, right? But so that is that coaching or GM or whatever a, a dis disconnect between the coach and GM, perhaps. The other thing is this: no, um, that good. yes, they need depth, but more. But they also, I'm going to throw a little bit, a little bit of this on David and Drysaddle for overstaying every shift they have. Like this is these are two guys that just simply stay they on the ice. No, they don't. You have to. Are you kidding? No, no. no because because when you do that, when you do that, and, and you if you're gonna play a double overtime game and a triple overtime game, you know, or what a single overtime and a triple overtime game in, in a 48 hour period, you can't be overstaying your shifts. I mean, it's just like wherever, you know. But I mean, when you watch them play, you know, you're you're used to like, okay, the puck dumped in. All right, that's that's when the guys are gonna change. There's a certain rhythm that goes in every every hockey fan's head as to when the lines are changing, right? 
these guys don't change shit. They don't change. And it's like, and they, and they don't have to, because what happens is you need to see guys like Shore who makes that really nice play towards the end there. You see other guys like, you know, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who had a really, really, really good game yesterday, I thought, and in different situations, these guys don't have a frigging chance to get into any rhythm at all because they're, they don't know when they're going on the ice either. Let Ryan go first. I'll tell you the biggest mistake Dave Tippett made, and this is going to every coach who coaches any team that has Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on it is going to have to decide whether I split them up or whether yeah. I pair them together. And for game one, they were split up. That was the right. game plan going in. The game plan instantly changed after mm -hmm. they come out flat in game one. Yeah. And Tippett panics and says, I can't generate any offense unless these two guys are together. So that does three main things. The first thing it does is gives Winnipeg a huge confidence boost mm -hmm. that, okay, we disrupted their entire plan after yep. 60 minutes of hockey. Second thing it does is it tells the rest of your roster, I don't believe that you guys are capable of generating any offense. Exactly. This is a one-line, two-man team, right? And then the third thing that it does, it creates all this pressure on McDavid and Dreisaitl that they really shouldn't have to face. And it takes everyone else off the hook where everyone else goes onto the ice just saying, there no one, no one's expecting me to do anything. I just can't let us get scored on while I'm on the ice. And that plays into it, right? I mean, and that plays into like the mentality of them overstaying their shifts too, because if they're one out of every if one out of every three or one out of every four, but rarely four, one out of every three shifts are dry and McDavid. Um they feel like they have to be on there as long as they possibly can on that shift, every shift. And the reality is you have to, as a hockey player, you have to know that some shifts you're just going to skate around and not do anything. Like well, there are certain shifts that are going to happen, but you're going to get off, get somebody else on and get back on fresh. These guys never, it feels like they don't leave the ice until they have, until they have at least an opportunity to, to so score. So, so somebody in the chat's going to have to tell me whether Slater Cuckoo got hurt in the game last night, because <sighs> look at the, and I'm Russ, I want you to go next, but, Darnell Nurse played 62 minutes and seven seconds last night in a three-overtime game, and Slater mm. Cuckoo played nine minutes and 58 seconds. If he wasn't hurt, Dave Tippett should be fired. That's Dave Tippett. Here's what I'm going to say, two things. I started talking yesterday, and I'll talk about this part first, um, about people in different positions in the Cats organization that keep getting grandfathered in from – different businesses that he has, different teams, different this, and they don't really get anybody from the outside. Yeah. The more digging that I do, the worse it's going to be for fans because they're not really going to change budgetary-wise, and they're really not going to pay coaches that aren't there. So you're not going to really see any big changes because right. no team's doing that. No team wants to now pour any money into their team until they start making money from fans. So you're not going to mm -hmm. see, and that's also going to affect the roster because now it is going to be hard to get a goalie unless you really take on and trade some other bad contracts. The second thing is what I didn't like for the last couple of games is their communication on defense. Look, they got enough goals yesterday. That's not what killed them. And I do think not having Josh Archibald hurt them because for whatever reason, yeah. he's been playing great this whole series. But their communication for the defense stinks to the point where they had two wide open guys. I think actually it was, it was Shifley both times yeah. and it never should have happened, but they figured out we're going to go East to West and see if the Oilers defense can keep up with us and switch. And they couldn't. Now, Ryan, Ryan, I want, I want to ask you this and um, start with the goaltending. Mm -hmm. um, 
they signed possibly the second worst goaltending contract in the league in Miko Koskinen. He's a sieve. They can't use they can't use him. Um, they only used him in like back to backs down the stretch because Smith had a great year. But when you're depending on a 39 year old Mike Smith to be your your backstop. I mean, we know that he was the plan B after they lost out on Markstrom. Can I throw one thing out there, Mike, along that? And I want Ryan to respond because I know what you're – And oh, this is the one thing about Koskinen, and I've defended him in the past, okay? And I agree that he is not working, okay? It's not it, – nothing – it's not right. But here's the thing that I talk to Hitchcock about Koskinen a lot. Like, and 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 when he when he signed that deal, Hitchcock was there, you know, at that point. And he was he was a big proponent of that deal, saying, you got to see this guy in practice. you got to see what this guy can do. He is spectacular. Um and I talked to Hitchcock again recently about this. And I'm like, well, what's, what's happened? And he's like, he's still spectacular. He's just like, you know, he's just, Eck, Eck, you got to remember what I told you long ago. And he did tell me this long ago. Like when we had breakfast, he's like certain goalies for certain teams. And he's like, the reality is the team that's the, the style that, that Edmonton plays does not work for the style Koskinen plays. And at the end of the day, that makes him look terrible. Right. But, but I don't, I think that if I'm another team out there, you know, I, and and since you can probably get Koskinen for a song and get Edmonton to throw something in with it, I would seriously look at it because yeah, I, I'm just, that's all I'm going to say. Because I, st I still, I still, I still trust Hitchcock when it comes to this kind of stuff. Uh, I, I, I think, I, I think he's going to be a buyout, Ryan. Yeah. I think he'll be a buyout. Uh, well, and the timing of that, the timing of that um, contract was horrible too because right. it happened a week before they gave Shirelli the boot. So it was right. like, all right, well, here we go. There's our our, our parting gift for <laughs> that is literally like burning the house down on your way out the door right? <laughs> that's right and thankfully <laughs> i agree with mike that i don't think the oilers were a playoff team and if we had a regular season where you played every other team in the league i don't think the oilers are a playoff team i think they benefited mm. from playing in the worst division in the nhl um and they won the lottery with mike smith's regular season performance yes um, yeah but is he enough to compensate? Is he enough to make up for the gap between him and a guy like Hellebuck? Not even close. No. And if you look at the Oilers' track record over the last, I think it's been 20 years since they had a top 15 goaltender on the right side of 30, right? You look yeah. at who they've brought in, it's been reclamation project after reclamation project. I mean, Dwayne Rollison, yeah. Cujo, I mean, those are the last. I mean, Dubnik no. did a nice job for him too, but yeah, he was older. Briefly, yeah, I mean. They traded Dubnik before he really had his breakout season, right? Sure. Right, I mean, and and the, and last time they went to the Stanley Cup Finals, they did it with like a hodgepodge of goalies as well. Remember, it was just completely. That was crazy. Marketing got in there. Mike yeah. Conklin and uh, yeah, so but, no, it's been a very long time. I mean, you know, okay, very very long time. Switch to the defense. Um, you know, Chris Russell, they extended him simply to expose him for expansion because he's hideous. Uh, they lost. They lost Clefbaum for the year. He's coming back. Larson's a free agent. I don't think they should re-sign him because I think he's terrible. Um, but they have, terrible. they have uh, Darnell Nurse is one of the ten best defensemen in the league. I love him. I think Bear is good, and they have they have a group of youngsters. Broberg, Russ has talked a lot about Broberg. He's talked a lot about Evan Bouchard. Bouchard, Bouchard is ahead of Broberg, though. Yeah, I wouldn't, Broberg, I wouldn't go Broberg yet. Broberg is defensively challenged, but he's young. I mean, do you think that there's that Holland is actually going to let the young guys play, or do you think he's going like, to re-sign Tyson Berry? I mean, what do you think? I don't think he has any choice but to let the young guys play personally because I think Tyson Berry walks. I think he had his show me the money year, right? Yeah. And, and unfortunately, yeah. Edmonton cannot attract free agents unless they're coming to pad their numbers so that they can leapfrog somewhere else. 
um, unless it is a reclamation project or a guy who's just hanging on, you know, to stay in the league. And, yeah. and uh, they, you know, locked into a long-term deal. Bring up, bring up Tyler Benson, see what you have there. I mean, he's ripping it up in the A. They didn't use him this year, fine. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be really hard for them to correct the goaltending situation, though, because that, that the contract is horrible for Koskinen. And I heard Hick, um, Eck doing the little hitch thing with that. So if you want to blame Hitch forever for that, that's fine. But they're saddled with it. Yeah. The problem, the problem is, <laughs> I'm not you know, blaming Ken Hitch Holland, for that. Ken Holland is a history of winning, but what he's been saddled with there is taking longer to dig out than anybody would have expected. But my, my problem is that cap world, especially. I just don't 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 disagree at all. And I think you're. I mean, you're right. Obviously, Holland has to. He's in. He's he. It's a it's a really unenviable position to jump into a team that is when you have a star of that level things have to be happening by now and that's and that's and that's every every gm that comes in there right has to face that like it has we can't say oh three years from now we'll be okay you can't you can't even say two years from now you're gonna be okay it's like it's just what they have to do is look at more of like you know how florida has done things like where they went out and they got some guys that are that could be called reclamation projects a little bit like hornquist for example like a hornquist on edmonton would have been a huge difference well, like Enormous you have kind of money to be able to absorb some of that, though. Right, right. I know, no, you do, you do, and, and you have to get rid of the contracts. But they need, they need to have, like, well, let, what I saw. Let me just finish this one thought, then, Mike, for your, please. What I saw is this: I saw a, not just Tippett panicking after game one when he like has to put when he puts the back together, right. but I saw the whole team feeding off of that panic, and I and I didn't see anybody in that locker room willing that that was that was the kind of guy like like you would have a Hornquist that would step up and say. This is ridiculous. We're fine. You know, like we got to just just do your thing. We're a good team. We got we got talented guys here. This is ridiculous. We're fine. And I didn't see that. I saw the this you know, to be the, James Neelak, but you know, you're James Neal. Yeah, and, but I see I see or you know, you know, another reason I think they keep around the defenseman that Mike hate so much that they keep signing to a deal to contracts. Chris Russell. Chris Russell, but because I think he's one of those guys who actually would do that. Oh but the, my but, God. But, no, he does. No, I'm not saying he's a great player, but that is you need you need personalities, you need people who can help because there's too much stuff on. There's too much crap on McDavid right now. It's not back Charlie Huddy. I mean, what are you doing? Even but, but those Oilers teams had those guys, right? Hiram is an assistant coach. He can't play. They had an unlimited cap too. Yeah, no, no, no. This okay. is not about Chris Russell. The point is, the point is not about Chris Russell. The point, about Chris Russell, he stinks. Ryan, you got what I'm trying to say here. I got what you're trying to say, but what is the solution? Okay, because yeah. I said kind of half jokingly, through my experience in San Jose and Edmonton, I've become the resident expert on top heavy playoff disappointment. <laughs> and you have a classic here in Edmonton, where honestly, I. Especially watching the Jets and the makeup. Missed you, Ryan. We missed you a lot. Sorry, that was, that was good. <laughs> Continue. But to look, to compare the Oilers roster to the Jets roster. Yeah. You look at they have a Vezina winning goaltender. They have a monster defense that just pushed the Oilers to the outside. The Jets blocked nearly fifty shots yesterday. I know. You're not blocking shots from the blue paint. You're not blocking no. shots from the goal mouth. You're blocking shots because the guys say, you know what. I'm not getting anywhere near the net. I'm just throwing some rubber on there and hoping we get a bounce. And that's how they scored half their goals, especially dry settles two goals. It just bounces in front that kicked out to them, right? This, this series, this series was a coming out party for guys like Logan Stanley, uh, who 
you know, is a monster out there. And I thought he, I, oh I, my gosh, yeah, he, yeah he, he was, he was something else. He really was. But, agree. But, but but this is this is the thing. And you know, Aki, you were talking about reclamation projects with Florida. You know, guy now Hornquist is a bit, guy with a bunch with a big contract, a big number. But I, I've been singing the praises of a guy like Mason Marchman, who's got two goals in the playoffs. This yeah. is a guy who couldn't make the Leafs. He was a fourth liner, had trouble trouble staying healthy. They trade him for Dennis Malgan. And all Marchman has done has been a good depth forward, provides a little pushback and physicality, and he's scoring for Florida in the playoffs. I look at the Oilers lineup in game four, Ryan, and there's five forwards there who don't belong in the NHL. You're exactly right. And the other thing about that, they don't think they belong in the NHL. And that is my issue. Like McDavid, McDavid and Drysdale doing, doing what they do and staying overstaying their shifts, this whole concept of we play them together. If we don't play them together, they are not going to be, we're not going to be any good. If we don't split them up, that whole concept that, that permeates through the, through the atmosphere of that lock point. Don't some of the guys are good enough to play in the NHL, but they they in the right situations for sure, and could could be the kind of guys that end up in Seattle and be like the you know the crazy the crazy rebirth guys. But they don't have any confidence, and it, it starts with Tippett talking to McDavid. I mean, one of the things I would love if I could interview Crosby again. I got a chance to talk to interview him once, but if I could interview him again ever, one of the things I want to ask him is the importance of knowing when not to play, like knowing when to get off the ice, knowing so when. Yeah. To just, you know, that is a to superstars who know that I'm better than you. Like the superstars are on the ice. I'm better. Like if you're, if you're a player and you're sitting on the bench, I, there's a better chance of, we, of me scoring than you scoring. Even if I'm at like 60%, there's a better chance of me scoring than you scoring. So right. I'm going to, uh, that, that the good guy, the, the superstars know how to manage that somehow. And I just don't know. How, I don't know. I don't. And I think that's something that I've never heard really examined. Like, you know, well, that, here's, here's a key point. Eric. It hasn't been since 2004 where Edmonton even drafted a decent goalie. Now, Stuart yeah. Skinner had a few things going for him. Clearly, he's not the guy. I, I like Konovalov, who, who they got um, from the KHL, but they have to get him over here. Who knows what year that will be, so they can't necessarily count on that. But think about all the years it's been, all the drafts they've had, and they can't draft a goalie. That's part of the reason why they're in this situation now, too. Well, Russ, you said something, and I want to get Ryan's uh, input on this. You said when we were talking earlier about the lack of development of some yeah. of their young players. Yeah, there's definitely a lack of development. I, I think we're seeing like the mid-range guys come through and play, like you brought up Ryan McLeod. I think those guys are transitioning okay, but I think the higher-end ones, some of the ones that we've mentioned and, and even – you know, like Yamamoto, who I was really high on and still might be a good player. Guys like that, there is some sort of stalling factor as to why they haven't really reached their potential. And so I do think yeah. that's a problem. Eck, I went back to that 4 draft, and they drafted somebody you loved, an offenseman, Danny Savret. I laughed when I saw the name. I just wanted to let you know that. Savret. Why, why did I love him? What you do you like Danny Savret. You used to see stuff. I know. No, I did, but you know, I mean, listen, I'm not, I'm not a prospects guy, Rush. You are. No, it's um, just funny. But, <laughs> but, but no, I just, I, I do like development. But right. I, I get out of here. No, I, I, I mean, I get it. I totally get it. And uh, your development, and this is, this is, this is pre-Holland still. You know, like, and because development, but it's doesn't, still Holland's there now. It's, na it's, it's now. Years. This is the first year where you can sit back and say that this is on right. Holland as far as prospects go. Like you have to a give a couple bit, of years yeah. there, right? If, if, so. If, if, 
if there's any organization that it's imperative that they develop players to keep them there yeah. for seven years, seven or eight years uh, as, at, at, cheaper, <laughs> at cheaper rates, it's the Edmonton Oilers, it's Winnipeg. Those yeah. teams have to do that. Buffalo. It's not as hard to it, – it's getting – you got to remember that there is there is an attractiveness to going to play with Connor McDavid. It's not as hard to get people to play in Edmonton as it is to get people to play in Winnipeg. Yeah, there's no to, question about that. Like, we'll play with now, them. it's getting harder. <laughs> but you know, but I'm just, so so you know, especially when McDavid, if you're a forward and McDavid doesn't let you play, doesn't let you take your shifts. Well, but yeah, go ahead, know, and I'm not. Or, go ahead, Ryan. Go ahead. Or also, these guys have never had regular line mates. You've got yeah. Jason come in. You get Pugliarvi come in. Yamamoto. They're rolling the dice with all these different tweeners. But and all three of those guys are NHL players, players, though, Ryan. All three of those guys, I think, are good NHL players. Yeah, like, I think, think Yamamoto's more than a tweener, but I think you have a good point where yeah. you're saying oh, if yeah. they had like three good lines to anchor some of the young guys to, it would be better off. I agree. I mean, look at this, all you have to do is McKinnon versus McDavid, and you know the difference. Like that's yeah. the difference, right? Don't get me wrong; those guys are NHL players, but they're not instilling any confidence when they're not paired with Connor McDavid. Right. They're not right. doing anything on their own. Even Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who's a good player, but twenty of his thirty-five points this year were on the power play, right? Yeah, right. he's not generating. And that, that, that's the thing I wanted, I wanted to ask you about because I, you know, I, you mentioned off the top, they they went back to the comfort zone of putting Drysaitel on the wing with McDavid. I think other than power plays, they should never play together because you need you need that one-two punch up the middle. And Drysaitel was a matchup nightmare because he's so big and so talented. Yeah. You never play those guys, but they keep going back to that. And when you keep going back to that, you're basically feeding into the other coach. And, and I'm going to make one excuse for Edmonton on that, Mike. And this is this is a really bad excuse. And I'll be the first to admit that this is lame. But this is what they'll say. And because I've heard other people talk about this. When it comes to lines of like that, not having any practice time during the season and stuff like that, they are they have not been able to develop line chemistry. That's what they'll all say. Now, whether I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that I buy into it, but I'm just saying that that's the thing that they will I say mean, because is there some truth to it? Sure, but there are teams that are overcoming that. We heard that with the Flyers too as an excuse. But Ryan, yeah, what, right, what, right. What do you think? Okay. Do you think that there's the appetite there for Tippett to say, okay, I need you as my number one, I need you as my number two, and we're not going to play you together unless it's a power play? Um, I. You know, I don't think you ever play those guys together unless it is a power play or you're down a goal with them, you know, too right, many right, right. goal with a couple minutes left. Sure. But, but what does that, again, it goes back to the psychology of sports and the psychology of those Winnipeg Jets players saying we can kind of take our foot off the gas pedal when those guys aren't on the ice because yeah. they're the Montreal Canadians when those guys aren't on the ice. Right. You know, the biggest, right, right. if I'm an Oilers fan, the scariest thing now is, so you're at this point where, you probably could say, I don't want to pay Nugent Hopkins, and you can't afford to not have him on the club. Because if you don't have him on the club, you're going to end up trading his rights at the draft for like a third-round pick. Right. And that's all you're going to get for Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I would jump all over that. That's crazy. And Ryan, I don't think well, – What are you going to do? Otherwise, you're going to you're going to sign him again to another huge deal? Like what? That's the I don't, think, I don't think he's going to get a huge deal. I don't think – I, I think he goes to Seattle personally. Uh, interesting. Well, they got they got a lot of they got a lot of cap room, but I mean, real it's I mean, he's not going to take a hometown discount. He's making no, he's no. made six million dollars the last six years. I think he's going to want to raise. He, he may can, not he gonna, make six six and a half a year for four years, five years, and I think Edmonton would have to pass on that. And I think that's a scary place to be because it's not like they really have. They could go out again. The replacement value on Ryan Nugent Hopkins is going to be tough, like yeah. because. 
even if you say his 20 points are on the power play, that's still 20 less points on the power play now. No, yeah. no I, I wanted, we have to move to a different game. Um, yeah, yeah, I, was say, I, want, I wanted to give credit to the win, to Winnipeg because Winnipeg did play a really great series. They oh, yeah. Had, but I had perfect road games, two perfect road games. And if there had been a crowd, yeah. they would have been sitting on their hands and booing by yeah. the of that second. Well, all yeah. the people that kill Maurice, now they can ease up on Paul Maurice too. Right. I now, really I really did love and I and I put it on my Instagram. I did love the Bud Light guy sitting the Bud Light mascot guy sitting in the sitting in the sitting in the uh, as the only fan in the in the during <laughs> During the during the well, winter, he had to get drunk. He had to get drunk to get through oh, that it's, game. It's, to me, it's like funny? it's so 2021, 2020, whatever. I, to I, see this, to see this guy sitting there like waving his towel in a in a giant Bud Light, you know, Bud Lights, whatever it is. Um, I, I, I thought the best thing was Kevin BX uh, covering the game on, on the on the broadcast, basically begging for a power play to get the game over with. Um, yeah, there was that too. Well, and and do and then one thing the Oilers can be pissed off about is that they really did get screwed with the pat with the, not, not a single overtime power play call. Like yeah, they should have. Yeah. I mean, there were a couple, and I think that they, I do think that McDavid, that McDavid and Drysdale were were definitely embellishing as much as they could, figuring that the, that one was coming at some point, and that they had to get it. But they really should have been given one. I mean, that's like. But why? I mean, again, let me, let me once the Oilers took a delay of game penalty, right? Oh, yeah. Well, you can't, you, can't, you can't do anything about that, right? So here's the thing that I'll throw out. And final hope for Oilers fans before we move on to the next series, okay? Um, because I am the hopeful guy. I'm the positive, optimistic person on this panel for sure. You have to be with Ryan. Especially adding Ryan. Go ahead, Ryan. Sorry. It's fine. Feel free. Everything's legal in Canada. Um, all right, so here we go. Um, all right. <laughs> so uh, my hope for the Oilers fans is this. Way better to get blown out than lose in seven. Um, and, and uh, come on. Are you going to tell me they're turning into Tampa next year? No, is that no, what no. You're going? Here's, here's why I say that. This Oilers, th this Oilers organization only makes changes Okay. When all hope is gone, they if 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 they I'm not saying I'm that's the only reason I'm saying it. The only reason I'm There's saying still it is going to be limited changes. There's not a lot they can yeah, do. Yeah, but this things have to happen. Like yeah. like it, it's like you could if you sit there you're like we had a tough series we lost in seven we're still a good team COVID da 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 you can throw these excuses out when you get blown out in four games stuff has to happen. They, and that, they, they have, they have 22 million in cap space. They can clear 3 million more by buying out Koskinen. and yeah. they find some sucker to take James Neal's contract. That's another five. Nobody's taking James. So, so, but they have ways, they have ways of opening up room to make the moves that they need to make. And, right. and you're, you're right. Maybe, maybe this is a knockout punch that wakes them up. It is. I, it's I, not I, a lot of money. How many, yeah, how many good players they need. That's like, not a lot of money. People find creative ways to do things, and and at the end of the day, even if even if it's, if it's coaching change, even if it's looking at how they how they handle McDavid and Drysaddle, if there all these, even if it's internal, even if it's nothing new, new players, major changes have to happen. Okay, well, let's I'm, sorry, I'm sorry to be the one. I'm sorry to be the. I, I'm living in Edmonton. Yes. And I hate to say it, but I think you have to seriously consider moving one of Drysaddle or McDavid because. Yeah, and if I have to choose, I'm moving McDavid because oh my God. heavy you're gonna that that dry settle deal is a sweetheart deal. Yes, and he is. is the <laughs> cap he is the unofficial captain while McDavid is the real captain. Would you he's, the better McDavid, player, Ryan, he's the better playoff. Ryan, if you've ever loved true. me, if you've ever had any any love for me at all, Ryan, do me this favor. Okay. 
we met in San Jose years ago. Yes. I backed you up when Patrick Marley was in. Yes. All right. <laughs> if you've ever loved me, this is what I need to know. I need you to do. I need you to write me a blog saying that. Just write me one story. Email to me. Write me one story why why McDavid has to be traded. Uh, Ryan, wouldn't it be true? I will do that for you. I you do that for me. Some heat, but I don't care. I'm going to take heat anyway. But also the experience in San Jose. I was very close to that team for a number of years, and yeah. I'm convinced that Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe will both play until they're 60 years old. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you know, and I, I will, at some point we will talk offline about Patrick Marlowe, but. Go ahead, right. about the Oilers is if you bring in the goal you want and you spend seven million dollars, all of a sudden they don't have a lot of money for anything else, so they're probably not going to be able to do that. Yeah, but the, the reason why I say trade mm -hmm. me, yes, is because as soon people talk about how great he is, there's no denying he's the best hockey player in the world, mm -hmm. but they have all these parallels to Gretzky. He yeah. is this enormous shadow here in Edmonton, they have a new rink that was built just for Connor McDavid to showcase his skills and showcase the city and how wonderful it is. There is so much pressure on this guy to perform yeah. and succeed. I think it's putting really an undue burden on him. Okay, let me ask you this question then, Ryan. So let's say you do trade Connor McDavid and half of your haul is going to be draft picks. Do you trust the current hierarchy there, scouts and otherwise, to pull you through with those draft picks based on their recent results? I wouldn't. The current, the current group there, I can only compare them to the previous regimes, right? Yeah. The Shirelli, the Kevin Lowe, that just... But just, just do it to the guys you have now. Do you feel... I, I can tell you the last couple of drafts have been average. I think, yes. I think the last couple of drafts have been average. I think they were very fortunate that Pugliarvi came back across the pond and he's an actual player. I think... I think well. they are definitely an undersized team. You saw how Yamamoto was completely ineffective against the, that Jets defense. And I just think you have a better shot. I'm just comparing them to the Jets straight up. And you look at the Jets with Shifley and uh, Dubois and Connor and Edwards. These guys, you're rolling lines that you're worried about, everyone that hops over the boards. Ryan, I think the best line of the Jets was the third line with Cop, Appleton, and Lowry. They couldn't yeah. match up with those guys. Yeah. We, now we want to switch. I want, I want you to email me that. You know, one, one last thing. Sorry, this is just a quick two-second yeah. thought. So if you trade Connor McDavid to the Kings, you're yeah. not going to get the same result as Gretzky because he hates being in front of the camera. That's yeah. it. Um, okay, switching switching to uh, the game game five yesterday, and Russ Russ and I were watching this uh, intently, and that was the playoff debut of Spencer Knight, the third goalie in five games for the Florida Panthers. They win four to one, and Spencer Knight played great. But Russ, you and I have the same thing when it comes to this, using young goaltenders, and the name Carter Hart comes to mind here. Yeah, I mean, it definitely came to mind only because when Spencer Knight says. It's fun. I'm having fun. We didn't hear Carter Hart say one time this year he was having fun. And that that's what can happen down the road when you start the clock on a goalie too early. Now, this is one game. We don't know what's going to happen the next game. We don't know what's going to happen the game after. But he's literally got – Brian Boucher said the best line on the show yesterday saying, hey, when, when Kenny Albert was like, hey, you won like your first five playoff games. He goes, yeah, I had – two years in the minors and I was three years older, two or three years older. Yeah. That makes a huge difference. So now 
They put Spencer Knight in there. Let's say Knight wins one more game and they get eliminated. How are you not making him the starter next year? So now all that pressure, you're going to have him having to start 40 games next year, which he's not used to doing, in an NHL level, carrying the weight of the franchise because Bob can't do it. Is yeah. that what you want to do to a 20-year-old? With a $10 million. Let me throw, let me throw some thoughts on, on that. First off, first of all, <laughs> like we got, you know, it's easy to sit back and say that they, you know, and I think they did rush Carter Hart. It's easy to sit there and say that right now, but we, you have you to say it then. We know you were saying it then, but we have to see where Carter is at the end of next season. Like, give a lot of goalies, young goalies have an off year. That's not uncommon, even right. whenever they start, you know. So it's like, so give him a, you know, I, I'm willing to see. He's a, he, the kind of guy, Cart. I don't know Knight nearly as well as I know Hart, obviously, but. The kind of person Hart is, and the kind of mental guy he is, I think he'll be fine. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Spencer Knight is probably as well. well as listen, I know Knight. I, he physically, he's way ahead of most twenty-year-olds. The core strength on this guy is as good as Mackenzie Blackwood. Yeah. But and mentally, he's really good too. Like this is a guy who really doesn't take anything right. too seriously. Yeah. But it still doesn't mean he is going to be able to handle the pressure of an right. NHL franchise that is looking to win with a Hall of Fame coach breathing down his neck next year. All right, but here's the thing that here's the thing you have to remember where you are again. Like it's always it's content. Context matters here. You're in Florida, okay? You're in Florida. You are you're trying to get your fans to come next year. You you you're on the verge of elimination against Tampa. I think th that move is not just made to give them a chance to win. It's also made to give them a give them something for season ticket salespeople to tell the people in the fall. Like me, oh, you saw a great okay, Spencer Knight. We got Spencer Knight's the future. We got the future. We're right, we, so we're, now you're selling tickets to see Spencer Knight next year, a twenty-year-old franchise. Have to, right, right. If, if, if you if you overplay him next year and all that stuff, yeah, that's right. But you don't even have to. You're not. You don't have to. You're not promising to season ticket holders that you're going to play him sixty percent of the time. Here. You're just saying this guy is part of our future. Look, look, look. The direction we're heading is right. Look at look at all the stuff we're doing. That. I'm, and I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not, so if this is Toronto or, or you know, Edmonton, I mean, Edmonton obviously doesn't even go to like stay or whatever. You don't make changes, right? But in Florida, you make the change because you have nothing to lose. Like to me, to me, it's a situation where you have to say, okay, we need out of COVID. They're going to need to sell tickets. It's uh, going to be hard. We know the sales and promotions departments for every NHL team. They're going to, they're going to promote their young guys and they're going to, and, and, and it, yes, know, it was an incredible advertisement for the future of the Panthers. Beaten positive. But the problem is, is that you, we, you have to consider what's best for the player. You and, do. And you that, do. I think that because Don't in, worry, Mike, they'll consider that next year. Or there's the no year way that what happened last out. night is not good for Spencer Knight. Okay. Like what happened last night, that the confidence and just the I can play in this league thing, um, be beating the no, he doesn't. No, yes, they he, don't. Yes, they don't. Knows. No one knows. You don't know you can play until you play. Like, you don't. Last night, he, beat, me, he, he beat the defending Stanley he Cup champions. Four games. He knows he could. No, but last night, he beat the defending Stanley Cup champions in an elimination game. That okay. is a significant thing to do. He made 38 saves or whatever in a row, whatever mm -hmm. it was, kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, he is something. He was something special. But it was one game, Mac. We're talking – and I, I love know, this game. I know. It's every, one game. Every playoff game, any playoff game in any young player's career is a building block, is a stepping yeah. stone, right? That experience, right. just knowing you can do it, just having that kind of patch on your on your shoulder <laughs> saying, I, I do, I've done this. I know I can do it. It really helped Michael Hammond down the line. It's invaluable to him. I mean, if but but Spencer Hammer, Knight is better than Spencer Knight is better than Hammond, right? Like, I mean, here's the thing: like, you, Spencer Knight is a better goal. Like Spencer, like Hammond, like you know, was a fly, you know, like got. You know, 
Tom, lightning in a bottle type yeah. thing. Spencer Knight is a long-term, good, solid goalie. We know yeah, that. Right? Steve so. Mason was a long-term guy. I watched Steve Mason when he played for the London Knights with yeah. Patrick Kane as a teammate. He was a big-time goalie. He was a superstar young goalie. And after like three or four years, he wasn't. So what's the option? What's the option? You've got Bobrovsky, who is just a mess. And and we know Bobrovsky, when, he, when his confidence is shot, He's an absolute mess, not just a mess, but an absolute mess. You've got Dredger, who is really – one thing that – I just had this really weird flash that went through my head last night when Knight won that game that, that Dredger is now the backup goalie for the Philadelphia Flyers. That's just what they went through my head, bam, bam, bam. You know, that it was like – I'm just, just projecting things that could happen in the future, you know? Yeah, the option – the option is not to sign Bob Bobrovsky. I'll tell you what the option is. They already did that. You can't be that. So. I'll tell you what the option. You want to know what the option is? Yeah. Don't let a Hall of Fame coach who may not be there in two years decide the rest of your franchise for the next 10 years. That's the option. No, no. no. The yes, that is, is the answer. There he is no – you, you they, doesn't care about down no. the line. He doesn't care about – No, I know he doesn't. He, I know he doesn't. I know he, he doesn't. He didn't want to get bounced in the playoffs. He wanted that win so he could say, yeah, look, we're giving it to Tampa. That's all – Florida yeah, that's needed. all – no, but so much bigger than that. Florida yeah. needed to show that they were there, that they could battle this Tampa team. They needed to show for their fans. They already showed that. No, they no, they 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 were they were beaten in three or four games. Pretty, you know, they beat Hanley in game four. They needed to show. I mean, and you know, and it's not even their fault. I mean, Kucherov, you know, friggin' Kucherov, you know, like that's he's just he's off the charts and he's you know illegal in my opinion. But it's not the only the only the only thing that immoral. This the only thing this series has done is actually established a Florida-Tampa rivalry because these teams yeah. hate each other. They and last night was a big part of that. Last night, you know what last night reminded me of? Um, the Do you remember the Columbus-Pittsburgh series yes. a while? Like that one that was an incredible series where like Columbus kept lose, kept falling behind by three goals and coming back and, and winning. And, and ended up paying, Penguins ended up winning it in seven. It was a hell of a series. It was a battle and a half. But when you know the crowd in Columbus was just going nuts, and the whole time, and it was a and that that Pittsburgh team was defending Stanley Cup champions, like this Lightning team is defending Stanley Cup champions, and that was the time when that you know the fan base started to that fan base started to fall in love with that Blue Jackets team. Like, and what you saw last night to me was the Florida Panthers fan base falling in love with the Panthers, which they haven't done for a very long time. Long. And All right, Eck, let me ask you this question: Let's say it's next year, and Spencer Knight's the starter. And he has a good start to the year, and then he hits a rut, and he loses five or six in a row. Quenville, knowing what he feels about Bob, how many games do you think he's going to play Bob until he goes back to Spencer Knight? The same way A.B. did this year with Carter Hart. A.B. literally sat on it for one game. He couldn't yeah. even give them two full games off to rest mentally. How many do you think Quenville will do for Spencer Knight next year if he has trouble? Yeah, no, you're right. But then again, AV has a way longer history of mismanaging goalies than Quenville does. I mean, Quenville's done a pretty good job at managing goalies over his time. As Vancouver Canucks fans, Gwen, I mean, AV just AV's terrible at it. You know, where I don't Quenville, know if Anthony Emmy feels that way, but okay. Well, I mean, you know, they won a Stanley Cup. You know, I mean, like just like I mean, there's. I mean, how was he after? After he, he after he played it out, but Crawford won Stanley. So, so it was you know the he coach was never, never the same the rest of his career in the Emmy. But he won a Stanley Cup, Russ. I mean, it's like you know, it's like okay, but again, that well, was what do you not, What do you need? I mean, I don't know. What's your goal here? You know, no, no. But, but the, the goal is to have long-term success and let this guy come up through the ranks like you're supposed to, and not put him, let him bypass the minor leagues and put him right into the fire and say, "This is it. You've turned into a pro kid. Good job, and we'll worry about it later." Well, I don't ever. 
I don't think any team ever benefits in the long run when you have each goalie looking over their shoulder at the other guy. Yeah. You right. need yeah, no, that's for sure. an ironclad, solid guy that you can depend on. I mean, it was funny, even going back to this uh, Oilers series, uh, that collapse, the 4-1 collapse in game three, I was sitting next to a guy who said, do you put Koskinen in? <laughs> I said, no, no, you do not under any circumstances. Because what does no. that do, right? What does that yeah. do with this mindset? No, you're right. You're right. That That is so very important to not look over the shoulder. But, you know, the, there there's an argument that can be made when you look at this Florida-Tampa series that the goalies were killing the Panthers. That was what's killing them. No, like they were, argument. They, were out shooting, they were out shooting Tampa in every game and by quite a bit at times, you know? Yeah. So why not give this make this have a chance like i don't i just i don't see if, if you if you put in a pros and cons list i mean if he, spencer knight goes in last night and he gets blown out then he's like yeah that's a problem but they um, th then, then i agree but but by, but he goes in last night and gets the confidence now it's only one game so he had one game of success next year he's gonna have to have 40 something games of success it's a whole yeah, different but, story but like boucher said also last night there was is a win-win situation for knight like last night like he knew that if he did if he, if he got live he lost they were gonna lose the series anyway and if he if he wins that's something so at this point yeah is he gonna win i mean i'll tell you this much that tampa team last night looked concerned like they 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 definitely there were moments when they absolutely looked yeah i think they, they couldn't solve the goalie yeah. that's fair Do, are they gonna go through two games of that i don't know they got they got but if they do Patrick Maroon and, and McDonough got fined by the NHL for uh, unsportsmanlike conduct. And uh, McDonough should have been suspended. That's a well, terrible. There's no thing. question. Listen, I'm not arguing, Funky Knight. Definitely gave them a chance, but again, you have to look at this long term, and that's yeah. the thing. If they were playing back to back now, I'm telling you, Quenville would still play Knight. The one yeah. crazy part of this. Before we, we ride end, it right now. Before we end, we have to met. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Let me, Jeez, let me uh, let me get the. No, but X basically saying he would play Knight back to back too. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, uh, because you have right, nothing to lose. You have nothing to lose. Oh, You've got nothing God. to lose. So just go for it. I There's mean, it's like, what are your options? You're going to put in Bob, who's like a mess, or you're going to put in a guy who's going to leave you next year I'm gonna anyway. Go back to I'm going to go back to Drager because Drager is done. He's post. He's been. He's been. He's. They. They have figured him out. Tampa and and he's he's lost his confidence. And like we do have to mention the other game, Mike, because I was yeah. absolutely 100 percent right on that one. Can I go there? Yeah. I'm going to take the shirt off because I was right. Here we go. Ready? <laughs> All right. Taking the shirt off and I'm. Starting over. Ready? Here we go. Yes. Two weeks ago, or a week ago, when we were predicting these games, <laughs> what did I say about the the Islanders Penguin series? Uh, no, 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 no. We already talked about that one. We no, had... but I got to mention this for a second. Okay, you know, go ahead. mention what okay. you want. Go ahead. I said Islanders in seven. If Sorokin plays, Islanders in six. That's what I said. I'm sticking you with it. You knew that there was going to be a play like that last night in double overtime. You knew that. Yeah, no, I mean, just like Mike knew that they would lose through, they, they would lose in triple overtime with a sweep. You're no ex clairvoyant. You're no ex I know. You're right, right. Karnak with the, with the, with the I'm, I'm just saying, come on, give it to me. No, but the one series that we didn't talk about, uh, and I said, Pittsburgh, I said Pittsburgh in seven, and so did Russ, so we'll, we'll stick to that. Um, the wild win on 14 shots on goal. Yeah. 14 shots. They score four times on 14 shots on Flurry. Like a blister in the sun. So and and Cam and Cam Talbot again, Russ. The only way that Minnesota wins is Cam Talbot does his best Patrick Wah imitation. Well, and Fiala was good. And we talked I talked about Fiala and Zuccarello, and they look like different players in that game. They need those guys. Parisi actually scored a goal. Those all those things help. It's just gonna prolong the series. That's all. Right. I think I think Vegas is gonna win in six. I think that's what I picked. I mean, Vegas, you know, they, I, I, I'm still shocked that Talbot is the guy, but I mean, yeah, what can, I mean, I don't know. I, I, 
I mean, what we've seen really is the unbelievably horrible idea it was to not let Flurry play in the playoffs last year. <laughs> can we start? Can we just talk about that at some point? Like Flurry was Flurry was so good that if he had played last year, does does Vegas win the Stanley Cup last year? They might. You know, they might have won the Stanley Cup. I mean, well, year to year guys are different. Flurry did look different this year than last year. I believe he did. He looks a lot different when he's on the ice, Russ. Um, a lot different. No, but I think I think there was a reason he wasn't on the ice. There was. <laughs> it wasn't like he was playing great and they pulled him for no reason. That's not true. No, they pulled him for, you know, I mean, DeBoer, which is an interesting thing I heard today on XM. is just like one of those guys like, yeah, Peter DeBoer teams, you know, they're, they're, you can always score on the rebounds. And I'm like, that's a crazy thing like that. I, I've never heard a coach associated with a team. No, they listen, there was a guy who went on goals. before, before yeah. I went on for my spot, there was a guy that went on you and this. he was basically saying, you've got to pull Flurry now and go to Leonard, right? <laughs> and when we were going to break and I was waiting to get on and they were like, well, we'll ask Russ Cohen that question. And I was shaking my head no, <laughs> because if you're really going to ask me that question, I'm going to destroy the guy who called up and said, you can't play Flurry. We asked it a yeah. different way. But it's second, like, oh. second of back-to-back, -back, let's play Jake Allen instead of Carey Price after Carey Price was doing a friggin' uh, right. circus I mean, act. What I like about this is what I like about both of the, the games last night is whether or not Minnesota and Florida both come back and win their series or not is, is very, you know, highly unlikely. But what I do like is that both of those were better than five game series. You know what I mean? Like they, they at least sure. they, they shouldn't have ended in five games, either of those series. But, and, I agree uh, with that. but yeah. we have to what mention, we saying? have to mention one other thing. All right. The Nashville Predators yep. actually have a chance against Carolina because what we thought regarding, you know, Nadjelkovic was a question mark. You know, first mm. games he played well, and Russ and Ryan, if you have anything on this as well, please chime in. I think that they've solved Nadjelkovic, and I'm wondering whether Brindamore goes to Morazic. I kind of think they might. I do feel like they did solve um, Nadjelkovic a little bit by jamming the crease the way they did. All of a sudden, his rebound control wasn't as good. And then they did figure him out high a little bit, but a lot of goalies they go. If I had any time in the, if I had any time in my life at all, Mike, I would I would have cut this cut this clip out as well to reshow you what I said about this series, because <laughs> you might not forget what we said that you they Nashville's done, they're done, they're toast, they're, it's over, it's over. And I said you listen, we all thought Nashville was toast. I but did for not. Some reason you didn't. What did I say, Russ? I said the Predators in the playoffs at home are deadly. Wait, so you so you picked Nashville? Is that what you're saying? No, I picked I picked Carolina to win it. Oh, I did. okay. But, no, but, but last when I, when it was two nothing, I said the Predators fans aren't worried about the Predators until they lose you at home because that. we know that's the Predators great. at Only home are the Predators at home are the most dangerous. That's the biggest differential between any team in this league. But home you and already had the pick in. I get you're right about the fans. You were right about that. I give you that. But two two. Also, I said it's going to be two two. I said it was going to be two two. I do think yeah. Mike has a point. I do feel like they gotten Duchesne and Johansson have woken up, and I do feel like now. They whatever was bugging them about Ned Yelkovic early in the series clearly does not bug them now, and they they are playing a lot more fearless offensively than we've seen them do all year. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, and 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 Saros man had a great game. Saros has played really well. I mean, and uh, that's not what I wanted to put it, it there. Yelkovic is starting tonight. So to, to Mob Talk Radio, I want to tell you that I yeah I just I, and if I remember why I banned you, I would you'd be in better shape anyway. That would be <laughs> um, all right. Um. Okay, so um, tonight we get we get game five of that series, which is going to be fun, right? Um, and then we get uh, what's the other game tonight? We game, um, game four Leafs have. Oh yeah, that game. one. 
<laughs> this is a massive game for Carolina, though, because if Carolina drops this game, it's a dropped. lot of worrying starts to yeah, happen. Yeah, if you remember what I the one thing I did say, Ross, remember this when I picked I picked Carolina, and I'm like, you know, but then we talked about after watching the first couple of games and realizing that I think there's a big difference in these playoffs because these teams played each other so much that they know each other so well. Yeah, you did say that. That I, I was starting to hedge on Nashville. I'm like, Nashville could be trouble. Um, but at the same time, yeah, you're right. If, if Carolina if Carolina loses tonight, Nashville will win the series. They will because Slavin's playing, so that'll help Carolina. Yeah, I, I think because I don't think Carolina Nashville's going to lose to Carolina in Nashville. I don't think they are. I, I and, and it could be. I mean, granted, they were two overtime again overtime games, right? This could be a sweep yeah. too. This could be a sweep as well. <laughs> granted, right? But um, all right, that is all the time we. Ha- I guess no, no. Let's talk about. Let's talk a little bit about. The Leafs and 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 uh, and and Canadians game for a second, right. um, and where this is at because you know I've been running around with my family doing crazy stuff. I haven't even talked since the Tavares thing went down to you guys actually. So, but anyway, so where are where do we think the Leafs are, Mike? Where do you, do you like where they're sitting right now? Well, they've recovered from the shock of the Tavares injury. Yeah. Um, they're getting great goaltending out of Campbell. The question today is second of back to back with Campbell's sort of uh, questionable health uh, always being a factor, whether it's going to be Campbell or they go to Freddie Anderson. I, I think if they go to Freddie Anderson and the Habs win, then they give the Habs life. That's why I would go with Campbell. Um, but, you know, they didn't have Felino in game three. Uh, they didn't have – you know, they're, they're getting players that they didn't expect to step up, stepping up, which is always something that you need yeah. out of a, play, a playoff team. Alex Kerfoot had a fantastic game in game three. Yep. Uh, Neil under his is leading the team in goals. He's got three goals in three games. And th- this is the thing that Ryan, this is the thing that drives me friggin' crazy about the game of hockey, about, about any sport. You've got a player with the ability that William Nylander has. And he doesn't, I mean, I understand that he doesn't do it 82 games. He doesn't, he plays like this about 10 games a year. And then the rest mm-hmm. of the year, I, I, I refer to it as he's Dr. Nylander or he's Mr. Willie. Yeah. Dr. <laughs> or Mr. Hyde. And, and in three games in the playoffs, he's been the doctor. He's made the house call. But but I'm waiting for Mr. Willie to give up the puck in the set, center ice and let the other team go on a breakaway. Because he, he does all time. He kind of reminds me of uh, Marcel Gotch. Marcel Gotch is <laughs> – Marcel Gach. Nice. No, I think there's a big contrast there. The best, no, but he was the best no, was. practice player you've ever seen. He was the Crazy best player on the ice in practice. Yeah. And then you'd get into the game and he, it's like, did someone else put this guy's jersey on for the game? Because he didn't look like the same player at all. And I think Nylander has that a little bit too, right? You could have all the skill in the world, but if it doesn't translate to a consistent performance and through the regular season, which leads up to the playoffs, I see <laughs> it's a long history of the guys who have a disappearing act in the playoffs. Actually, Marcel Gotch is the guy now that brought along Tim Stutzel last year in Germany. So Stutzel I'll give you another guy. Another guy, Ryan, that you that that, that brings that you'll that you'll relate to from that that San Jose era team um, that's doing really well right now. That that you knew it you knew it was going to is eventually is Donskoy. It's like another guy with crazy skills, but just like completely. Just disappeared for large times. And Mike, thanks for mentioning my techno house DJ name, which is Mr. Willie. It's been Mr. Willie for a long time. <laughs> um, yeah. So when I do my when I do my shows, you know, it's like, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Willie. <laughs> uh, but 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 just I, remember, without the buzz, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, <laughs> but Mike, just, Mike just say you know you know because I was getting some uh, feedback yes. in the chat that I again I don't hate Neilander. 
I just see how good he can be. And when he's when he is that, he's a difference maker. And he's been a difference maker in the first three games of the series. He scored a goal in each game. But what's confounding about him is that he disappears or that he's even is a negative at points. And and he's forgiven for that by a large chunk of the Leaf fan base, and I just don't get it. And they're criticizing Mitch Marner right now for being for not being not stepping up when Marner is playing 27, 28 minutes a night. So I, you know, yeah. fan bases are weird. Well, we should be nice to him because he's doing well for once. I mean, Nylander, you know, this is the time yes. we can be nice to him because I mean, he is definitely is he definitely you know give him some positive reinforcement here. He's he's doing well. Um, and uh, well, hey Ryan, it was great seeing you. Hopefully, they get wallpaper in Canada at some point this year. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm streaming to you live from a garage. <laughs> it's the only safe, my, the only place I can find any solace or solitude. I don't even want to go outside. I understand. <laughs> I understand. Don't don't shut the don't don't shut the door and turn the car on. <laughs> I do, I do, I do. I know. I really do feel. I don't know. I just is killing me. Thinking, I think of you. I'm just Edmonton fans, and just like, golly, man, Jesus. Well, not only are we the worst spot in North America for COVID at the moment, and still under lockdown and restriction, can't you can't even go watch the game anywhere. But, uh, we were hoping the right. playoff run would last long enough so you could actually watch a game in public. But, That'd be something, huh? I know. Oh man, it's just rough. It's just rough. Um. Well, we don't. Don't be a stranger. Do write me that article. Email it to me. I would love it. I'll put it together. I would love that, man. You're a great writer, and I would. I think this would be an incredible thing. Uh, I'll put it right in my spot. I'm a guest writer. Bam. Um, and you. and and people would people would just eat it up. I'm sure, um, and they would love to hear from you. And thank uh, you Mike, very much, Eck. I have to thank you as a young mm -hmm. writer starting out. I got you gave me so much, so many yeah. reps, right? So many reps. Just <laughs> uh, built. Mm -hmm. uh, Help build my career. So thank absolute you. Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. You're, you're, you like the greatest thing about my fondest memory, Ryan, with you is that, you know, you were one of the fewest. I mean, you were you were a Canadian writer covering the San Jose Sharks in San Jose. And that was awesome because the San Jose writers had no idea how to cover cover hockey. They the 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 team just got a, such a pass because of the softball questions about what were coming at them, and you and they you ran into you you rubbed them the wrong way sometimes because you were, but you were just because you were like we always jokingly said like you would be the mildest of Maple Leaf writers right now, but <laughs> but in San Jose you are the roughest San Jose writer because uh, asking the same questions I forget the one oh the one with Marlowe that always just got me man was the one. The, when when he was hurt and he took the morning skate, wasn't that the situation or something like that? That's right. They were the president's trophy winners and they were right. Anaheim in the first round. Right. And uh, he'd already faced some character questions and did not show up for the morning skate. I think it was game two. And uh, we asked him after the game. Why you asked him. <laughs> and he said, are you hurt? He said, nope, I'm not hurt at all. So we asked Todd McClellan, why didn't your captain show up for the morning skate? <laughs> <laughs> that question is out of line. That is out of bounds. So, Unbelievable! Like I mean, it, I, grew it, up, I grew up reading too much Cam Cole, I suppose, and and other legendary Oilers writers who would <laughs> read the fire and say the fans want to know this. It has an impact. And, and I uh, called Kevin Allen. It's good to be able to tell the story now. <laughs> but I called Kevin Allen, um, and I said, "This is right." They're they're mad at Ryan for this. This is what happened. And I said. The, he asked. Uh, he asked McClellan. You know, like I said, first of all, if a guy doesn't go to a morning skate on a playoff game in in Toronto, it's an enormous deal. Like it's yeah, like enormous. Let me let me let me, let me give yeah. an example because it was yesterday. Right. Nick Felino didn't skate. Right. 
Sheldon Keefe was asked the question. Sheldon Keefe says he's in tonight. Then Nick Felino skates in the pregame and tests out his leg and says, oh, I don't think I can go. And he's a scratch. He's a late scratch. Right. So, you know, you got, you got him to say, they, they said he's in tonight. Like you got him to say something. You didn't like, that's not a ridiculous thing to ask me type thing, which was like Todd McClellan saying, Ryan, that's a ridiculous thing. And, and Marlo being all pissed. And it's just, holy and hell. Then, and then, yeah, as history showed, they stripped Marlo of the captaincy that off season. Were those connected at all? <laughs> I mean, one could assume, you know, and the problem is one will assume unless we're told something like unless unless you give us the story, we're going to assume based on context clues what happened. Let let me ask you quick, very quickly. um, Arlo, last game of the season after breaking Howe's record, he waves to the crowd. It looks like it's the end. And then after in the post game, they asked whether he was going to retire or not. And his comments were more like, I, you know, I'm, I think I can play better than I played this year. So I'm confused. Is he going someplace else or is he retired? You know, you, thoughts, Ryan. you covered him more than I did. Yeah. I for a couple of years in Toronto. What's that, Mike? Sorry. You covered, you covered, you covered Marlo. You covered, you covered Marlo two, two years in Toronto and, you know, he was always good with the media, but you covered him more than I did. Mm-hmm. I can't interpret whether he's retiring or going someplace else, or I am convinced he'll continue to play for as long as he can and chase a cup for as long as he can. I was actually surprised that no one picked him up at the deadline. Yeah, uh, and this is the thing right. about like your run-ins with Marlo. You've never been anti-Marlo. You realize what he's about. Never anti-Marlo. Trying to get to the story, and it's <laughs> interesting after the fact, in hindsight, because yeah. Jeremy Roenick, who was on those teams, said to me flat out. We don't have what it takes in this locker room to win a cup. Yeah. And it starts at the top. It starts, unfortunately, whether yeah. I think the record will show whether Thornton, Joe Thornton, and Patrick Marlowe are playoff performers. Are yeah. they? The immediate <laughs> yeah. the immediate answer is no, right? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I mean they yeah. turn ironic to come out and single out Marlowe in his book and say I hated playing with this guy because he didn't have any passion. He didn't have any intensity. He was a robot. He's, he's very, he's very, even, even, you know, and, and listen, he's a good guy. He's a, he's a great family guy, which I, I have totally, total, totally, respect, total respect for his, like his love of his wife and his kids and the way he treats them. I mean, he is like beyond, but he is extremely dry um, and extremely robotic. And even, even you know, when you, when he goes out, you know, when, 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 you know, Bettman's doing the speech about how you played all these games and all this stuff and you're, they're, they're panning to him on the bench and stuff like that. Still, you know, not, a, not a guy who shows any emotion. Part of that is, is his game, right? That's part of what he is. That's right. Which is fine. And I have, you don't, you don't have to be like the most emotional outgoing guy in the world, but uh, he took, he took, he took Matthews and Marner under his wing. And, yeah. and I think that was sure he did. Yep. to his career. And it's odd that, you know, Marlowe leaves. He goes back. He go. You know, he gets traded to Carolina. They buy him out. He goes back to San Jose. He goes to Pittsburgh. Now back to San Jose, and he is where he is now. And Thornton comes into Toronto, and he's Mister. You know, like Grandpa giving everybody hugs and very jovial. Very jovial. And the you know yeah, yeah. locker room. Well, that. And I'll tell you where they got that from. They saw the way Jeremy Roenick interacted with the young guys in San Jose, Devin Setaguchi, and guys like that who are just coming yeah. up. He, they, he befriended them. He palled around with them. He said, you belong here. You're quality players. You're quality people. And I'm here to 
help lift you up. And that's exactly what Marlowe did in Toronto, as you say, and that's yeah. exactly what Thorne did. And it's following Jeremy Roenick's playbook as a 40-year-old yeah. who, whose best days are behind them, but willing to contribute on and off the ice and knowing how important that is. I mean, and then people don't understand how important that it sounds ridiculous because these are like superstar players. These are great hockey players. But um, I, I can tell you right now that if it wasn't for Yager, Yammer Yager in Philly, Claude Giroux is not anywhere near the player he is. Yeah. And I mean, the reality is that Claude was always incredibly skilled, had unbelievable, unbelievable, you know, hands. Um, would You know, I saw him do one thing one time that just blew my mind where I saw him. He had this, he has this thing where he tries to shoot the puck off the crossbar from the blue line right at the end of practice. He bam, bam, bam. And he hits the hits it like he'll hit it, like, which is just, first of all, that's pretty awesome. But he's a hockey player, so he's got skill. He can do that, right? Um, this thing, if he misses, if he misses it, <laughs> I saw him do this one time. He picks the puck up. If he misses, he picks the puck up on his stick and throws it up in the air as high as he can skates to the goal line and back and tries to catch this puck on his stick. Wow. Um, and I'm like, and like this, so this is a guy who the skills are just ridiculous. Right. Um, but it was Yarmer Yager that taught him how not to take a shift off, you know, like how every time you're on the ice matters, how everything you do matters. And that, um, when, when Yager, you know, it was only in Philly for a year, right? Like when Yager is gone, is getting ready to leave. Um, it's you know it's Giroux that's in the that's in the that's in the you know in the locker in in with Paul Holmgren the GM saying we got to keep him here he's really important to keep him here really important to keep him here and of course they didn't but um you know the the what those players do and I saw Ronick do it in Philly too so yeah I just I completely agree great having you I know we went really long today guys um but um thanks for watching remember um if you want to sponsor us go to patreon.com slash hockey and we're we're there you can give us a little bit just like give us a buck you know I need it. If anybody gives us a hundred dollars today, I promise I'll give a buck to Ryan. Um, <laughs> all right, a loony, a loony. I'll send you a loony that'll help you get vaccinated up there. Remember, <laughs> without the buzz, it's just hockey. We will talk to you all. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.